we fill it? So you'll spill it. What will it be tonight? Red or white? A Zana blender burgundy. Drink wine. Spill tea. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I saw you going to do it. I'm just kidding, you go ahead. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 it was good. Thank you. Hey! <laughs> 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 okay. Okay. <clears throat> hey everyone, I'm CJ. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> We just did it I'm not ready! You didn't ask me if I was ready! Yes, I did. Oh, okay. I lied. Okay, I'm really ready now. Okay. Okay, I'm really gonna do this. Okay, you ready? Hey, everybody. I'm CJ. And I'm Jamie. And this is Drink, Drink Wine, Wine Spill Tea. Tea. The podcast where we talk about anything and everything, but with a sense of humor. So pour yourself a glass of wine. Put in your AirPods. And let's spill some tea. It is warm wine. It is warm. That's what I'm saying. It's warm. I don't really like warmer hot drinks. So I know, but I mean, like, it's not red wine. Yeah, no, it's fine. So today we have a very special episode for you. I thought you were going to say, today we have a very special guest. <laughs> I was it's like, us. I was, like, waiting for the punchline. Welcome to a point blank. Yeah, welcome to... Oh, that's it. You're I, right. didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. The girls' room. The girl. Oh, the Amanda show. Tell me, and my dad bonded. Oh, really? We always would watch it together, but we'd always want you know the when she would prank call the old man and he'd oh, be like, yeah. "Hello, <laughs> you had the wrong number." And my dad yeah. still to this day quotes, "I like eggs." Yes, my dad hated the Amanda show. Oh he no, me and my dad loved it. But okay, so today, so CJ and I separately. But we both saw The Inheritance. Yes. Yes, we did. And we're here to talk about it, review it. Yeah, we're just going to kick it off and just, like, jump right into that. Dissect it. Dissect it. Let you know our unimportant opinions. I have my biceps. Yep. I have my biceps. (laughs) I have no biceps. I have all of them. (laughs) That was a good one. Okay, so, like, if you were to say... Wait, when did you see it? I saw it, I think, last month, but I saw part one and part two separately. So I was going to ask oh. you really quickly, CJ, if, if you were to give a short synopsis of the show, what what would your synopsis of the show be? Well, first of all, I would say that it's like our generation's angels in America. That's That's like how I would describe it to people, that it's, I mean, in kind of like all sense of the word. So if you don't know the plot of that play, it's basically... It follows a group of gay men, specifically, like, four of them, and kind of, it kind of, like, revisits the AIDS crisis in a way, but, like, with our generation, um, and just kind of looks at the gay community at a lens and compares it to, like, older generations, and different struggles that those individual men are going through. Yeah, really well put. Uh, I think it's also important to note that it's a 
a three-act show, and there's two shows. Mm-hmm. It's like Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Yeah. There's... Or well, Angels in America. Or Angels in America, exactly. It's There's two shows that are both around three hours. Right. But you know what's crazy, though? So I saw both... I saw both um, parts in the same day, which you I'm really did. glad. Yes, which I'm very glad I did because, well, I wasn't planning on it. I thought that we were just seeing part one, but we got there and we were like, okay, rush tickets are only $40. Uh, go get rush tickets. And we were like, oh my gosh, you know what? I, they were 50, but. Um, I was for 40, and then he, he bumped us up to orchestra. Yeah, we were in the third row. Yeah. Second, actually. But we were like, Oh, I mean, like, if they're that cheap, like, we both have our day free. Like, we might as well just see both and, like, make a day out of it. And I'm really glad we did because I really didn't feel like it felt like each show was three hours long for me. I was so invested and I was worried about it going into it because we also got brunch. So, obvi, we got drinks. Like, who are we? And I was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to fall asleep in this play. (laughs) Like, I'm going to be so dead. And I, I did it. Like, I was so invested the whole time in both parts it was crazy i saw it um a group me and um a couple friends we were all catching up getting drinks in hell's kitchen and we were like you know what let's just like rush a show tonight we're here we're all in theater let's do that and so inheritance was the only show we could actually get rush tickets for that night so we were like let's go see it so we saw part one and then we were like well we have to see part two together so but we all couldn't get together for like I think it was two or three weeks after we saw part one. Oh, so wow. we had that gap to like think about it. So it's really cool the perspective of you seeing it all one day and right. me having that time. Um, I just feel like if I didn't see them in the same day, I would. It would take me so long to eventually see part two, and I, so I just wanted to kind of like get them out of the way. And my it was like already still fresh in my mind. Yeah, it was there, which I think is really weird. Did you feel like the first part? could stand alone as its own play? Um, I do. Let's get into this. Okay. So what did you think of the first show? Just like your first, your overall feeling well, of it all as a whole. Everyone told me that part one is like the best out of the two. So the better one out of the two. Um, so I kind of went into it expecting it to be like really mind-blowing. And then part two was going to be kind of like whatever. So... Part one for me was very, in a way, like, abstract. That's not really the word that I want to say, but it's more... Ab- See, it's hard for me to think about part one without thinking about part two, but I would say it was more... It dealt more with themes than it did plot, and that was cool. I really liked that, and it introduced a lot of, like, gay themes like old and new and it introduced like the characters and like the overall tone of the show and like how it was set up like i it i quickly caught on that somebody was writing a, a book the whole show is basically like one long discussion right which is cool and it kind of like took me in and out of it a little bit but in a way where i didn't mind it and I didn't know that they were all pretty much going to be on stage the whole time, which I thought was so cool. Yeah, which is And the stage insane. was so just, like, bare and, like, there. Yeah. Um, I saw... So, now that you're saying this, I remember I saw the first show when it was still in previews. And then oh. the second show after it after had it opened. opened. Um, yeah, so I did see a preview of... Interesting. ...the first show. Oh, I should also say that I did not see... Um, I saw the understudy for Eric. 
You did? Mm-hmm. So... Oh, he's... And it's funny because the guy who plays Eric, like, the one that won the Olivier for it, um, is my friend's brother-in-law. Seriously? Yeah. Um... So I was like, oh, I'm really excited. And my other friend, Max, went to see it and was like, he's brilliant. Like you, and, and so I was a little bit bummed that I didn't see him, but also it was a matinee. And I was excited, though, because this guy had been doing it for a while. And we saw one of the smaller roles. It was his Broadway debut, and he was covering a track that he had never rehearsed. Like It was in his contract, too cover that role but he'd never had a rehearsal for it or anything so he learned it that day and they didn't have any costumes for him so that was cool um live theater wow. yeah i know right i feel like that's happened to me like four times but um yeah so i didn't see eric but i just wanted to make that known yeah i think my experience with the first part of the show is that so i saw it with two friends uh one is a woman and the other one is a gay dude um and I say that because, not that, like, that's, like, not typically, like, an important thing that I would, like, say about my Mm -hmm. friends, but um, my friend who is, like, into men was really moved by the first show, and the first two acts, my friend and I, who, the other woman and I were, like, this is a beautiful piece, this is a beautiful show, it's, like, not our story, so I don't think we felt, like, that much of an attachment to it. We're, like, this is a beautiful piece of theater. These words are meaningful, but there's no connection there. Like, we can sympathize and have empathy, but, again, it's, like, not our story. Until the end of the third act, the end of that show, was so powerful and, I think, moving. And I don't... I think all of us cried. Oh, sure. It was so good. Um... I'm going to say, like, a spoiler. So, spoiler, if you don't want to hear this, fast forward. <laughs> but um, do you want to say, like, what happens, like, at the end of the first show? Yeah, that's fine. Or do you want me to? Oh, so, basically, this house is... there. There's this older gay man that's kind of, like, his presence is to speak to the younger gay men as a different generation. And he basically had this house that he... Um, got from his husband who was younger than him um and they were very wealthy and so he got this house and he he had this house in the 80s and he would bring people who were sick and dying Mm -hmm. of aids into this house to die happily peacefully without worry right and they were it was like the first like of that like big crisis and his husband was like i don't want that disease around us and in the house and so he basically let all these people die there and helped them yeah so like the point of the show inheritance is that this main character this like younger guy in our generation inherits this house and he doesn't know about it though no he doesn't know about it um but he's there seeing the house for the first time and in it it's like the ghost of all of these men who died they just come come up and introduce and introduce himself and, and you see like the community of gay men that could have been the mentors, everyone who could have still been like alive there with them. And it's, it's like really so cool. powerful. It's really cool. Um, yeah. But I know that the show inheritance is based off of a book. Yeah. Um, it's based off of a book that doesn't deal with homosexuality. It deals with like, I believe classism, like poor versus rich. Oh, and if I'm speaking correctly, um, but uh, the writers rewrote the show to deal with the more, like, 
with the for the AIDS crisis. So oh. it's based off of a book that dealt with classism. I knew it was based off a book. I didn't know that. Yeah, rather than based off of this. And I know that some people <clears throat> had issues with some people I know who have seen it said that it still on some level wasn't completely like a visceral production because they still had all of the men in the show were ripped and gorgeous and like toned and like they seemed it only dealt do i make sense yes i will say though a representation of every gay person or like like a like a plethora of like different types of gay men like of all different from backgrounds and stuff it was all like i feel like it did though and a lot of people i know also said that the only two ethnic people were like ensemble characters also, I'm, like, about to open up a lot of doors. Also, a lot of people I know have issues that the leads, the three oh, lead men, I'm, are straight men. We're going to talk about that, but I have a lot that I want to say about that, and I want to save it for the end. Great. Because that's, like, a big thing that yeah, I'm I know. frustrated about. So, what I'll say is that I actually think that the cast is pretty diverse. I will say that the, the main few guys are white. Um, and they're very in shape. So those ones I'll give. Um, but yes, I wish that, I think it would have been cool for, um, like Eric to be a person of color. And also the Eric that I saw was definitely not ripped. He was like very not ripped. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yes, the other ones. But I think that like, um, what's his name? Adam? Was that his name? Oh yeah. The young guy. Oh, no, 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 not him. But him, he, I think, him and um, Toby. I feel like Toby and Adam slash Leo have to be, like, your classic, like, gorgeous-looking gay men. I feel like they don't, they can't be because that feels like, I, that feels like their ego and, like, in act... In the second half of the play, I feel like that is why it, like, spirals and everything. You know what I mean? Like, that's, like, part of why it's, like, spiraling. Oh, yeah. Because that's stereotypical and that's a huge reason as to why the gay community is so, like, fueled by partying and drugs and stuff because everyone is so self-obsessed with... I shouldn't say everyone, but, like, stereotypically, it's... Fire Island is, like, self-obsessed and naked and, like... It's just, like, one big, like, circuit party. And that is, like, enhanced by them being, like, flawless-looking men. (laughs) And it also makes people want to hate them more, I think. Until you find out that they have, like, hearts and souls. You know what I mean? Sure. But any show could be more diverse with body sizes and race. So I definitely agree that it could be. A million percent. So overall, your opinions of the first show, what were they? Like, did you enjoy Oh, it? for sure. A million percent. I thought that it was brilliant. And leaving, I was like, I don't know how part two could possibly top it. But I think everyone was telling me that the first half could, like, stand on its own. And I just could not disagree more. Because at the end of the first half... I was like, whoa, whoa, I'm whoa. sorry, by the first half, do you mean, like, the part first one. show? Part one, Great. yeah, the first show. So, I was, at the end of that, I was like, whoa, 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 there's so much that I still don't know. Like, if I went to that not even knowing there was a part two, 
or they hadn't like announced a part two yet or something, I'd be like, okay, what's going to happen to Toby? And what's going to happen to Adam? Who is Leo? What this older man just showed up like what is that like what's the deal with the house like there are so many things there's a female character written into the show that we haven't even met yet and i and yeah that you see from the bios but yeah, you haven't seen her exactly. in the show yet and she's one of the best parts of the show and so i will talk like, about that actually oh, okay but i was like wow how do people think that only part that part one could stand on its own but i mean i don't know maybe i, I don't know so going into part two in comparison to part one, what were your feelings? I liked it more. I part really two? Did. Yes, I did. Can Here's you why. tell me why? Part two was more plot than theme. And for me, I'm driven by plot when I'm watching a show than theme. Um, and I feel like I could watch things like unravel. And there was a lot of context that I was watching that was very familiar for me as a gay man, like watching it. Um, not necessarily with me or, like, my life, but just, like, what I've seen and observed. And that was so interesting to me to, like, watch uh, my generation be, like, a complete parallel to a generation that we've all thought we forgot and left behind. But really, it's all exactly the same. It's just that there's medicine to help it not get worse. And it was just really eye-opening for me. And I also think the characters felt more developed in act two than in act one. Like they, I, I, it dove into them more and I started feeling for characters that I didn't and feel for in part one. And you know, I, I started resenting characters in part two that I feel like every character in part one, I was like on board with in some way, even though they pissed me off at times. But part two was when I was like going on a roller coaster with each one. And I didn't really get that in part one. But I was also going into it with really low expectations because everyone was telling me that part two wasn't good. And so I was like, oh, but it is <laughs> really good. And I loved seeing... Also, wait, who did you see as... Um, um, I saw the original cast. Oh, you did? I saw Tony Goldwyn as... Um, oh. I saw Tony Goldwyn as Henry. Um, the famous guy. Yes. Yes, yeah, so did I. I. Oh, you did? Yes. Okay, he's not the original, but, um... No, I saw the original then. I saw, um, Henry... Wait, no, I saw John Benjamin Hickey. Great. I believe that's his name. Um, I see where you're coming from for the second part. I really do. I think the show as a whole is a great opportunity for hard discussions. Like, a lot of it is bringing up points that a lot of people are split about and then arguing both points so that way you can see both sides, which I love. If I feel a certain way, I love hearing another person's perspective. Right. And that, in short, lets me, one, A, know the situation a little bit better, and B, be be able to argue my point better. Like, if I know what the other person is feeling, I can be like, yes, and this is also why you're wrong. Right. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. So I feel like the show was just, um, like, a speaking ground for hard discussions. Like, in part two, when um, one of the guys was like, I'm moving to Canada. And and the main guy was like, no, you should stay and help us fight. He's like, I'm not going to stay in a country where the president doesn't believe in my rights. And the main guy was like, but that's why you need to stay. And the other guy was like, no, this is why that country doesn't deserve me or my talents. It's like you both points 
you can understand like both points like i understand why you want to leave where you're not appreciated but then you also understand no that's why you stay and fight for like the people like for yourself and the people like you do you know what part really shook me and i don't remember what part it was in but it was when um i tony goldwin but henry is like at the party when they talk about how he's a republican and he voted for trump and how they get into and kyle harris really argues like he can't even be in the same room right with him you know kyle harris uh he went to my school oh really yeah oh my god yeah do you know him um, I took, like, a little, he came in and taught, like, a little. Oh, so like, he's older. Class. Yeah, Got oh, it. yeah. He's older. Right. Well, anyway, yeah, when, when they get in, like, the fight about it, it was, and I am, like, a very, very, very not Republican, and, but I grew up with a very conservative family that's very, like, I, like, I mean, open-minded and wonderful, like, they're not, like, Trump-supporting assholes, but, like, this was just so it was so crazy how i was able to see both sides of it and i was like oh fuck that's what i'm saying it's like an opportunity to hear your thoughts spoken out loud like he's terrible whatever and then hearing this republican argument come from the mouth of a gay man and having it be eloquently spoken is really just fascinating right and and like makes you listen and i feel like the show as a whole really was again just a way to discuss hard topics and like have that and i feel like a lot of that honestly there was a lot in part one and there was a lot in part two i feel like part two was great for plot because a lot of things moved forward Mm -hmm. but i feel like as opposed to in part one, when in part one something like moving was happening, you didn't know it was happening until you were like, "Oh my right. god!" But in part two, it was. Happening. I felt like everyone was like, "All right, I'm gonna hike up my pants. I'm gonna serve you this dramatic monologue where you're all gonna cry." Oh Which yeah, it was took very, me out yeah, of the moment. Yeah. Like when the woman character was introduced, I think she's a brilliant actress. Whoever that actress is, I don't know her name off the top of my head, but. Her whole monologue that she gives about... Her son. Her son, how he was gay and she, like, disowned him, didn't talk to him, and then she was there when he died, and now she was, like, the mother to all the gay men who died in that house. She gave that monologue beautifully, but script-wise, writing-wise, I feel like it was like, all right, everyone, buckle in. This is where you're supposed to be feeling the things now. Right. And it was maybe a little masturbatory. But do you, but that monologue kind of existed in part one, too, when um, when Walter was talking about how he met Henry. You know what I'm talking about? And that whole... For me, that was like kind of like the same thing, though. Like that... And it kind of took me out of it. Well, no. I thought it was beautiful. Um, so I don't think it took me out of it. But I feel like that was kind of... Yeah, so the character of Walter gives like a fifteen minute, it's fifteen twenty minute monologue about how he met his husband and he's older. It was brilliant, though. It was a brilliant (laughs) monologue. But what I'm saying is that I had no idea that when he was going to be speaking that monologue in the first part of the show, that it was going to be as long or as powerful as it was. When this woman came in and did this monologue, I was like settle in everyone oh okay you know what i mean like it was like you knew what was coming you knew what was gonna happen and i felt that probably because she's like 95 and like i really mean that she's in her 90s (laughs) but like the other guy like walter 
is older as well. He's he's in, not a, he's not in his he's 90s. Not in his she is not actually in her Jamie, 90s. yes she is. Look I her swear up right to God. Now. Priscilla told me. No way. Yes. Okay, I believe you now. Hang on, I'm gonna I'm I do wanna look her up. And I sure, but, but I don't accredit that to her acting abilities. No. I accredit that to the script. Because the <sighs> script because like the script has you feeling that whenever there's going to be a big monologue now, it, they're going to try to jerk tears out of you. You know what I mean? Yes. She's 90. That's pretty she impressive. Just, she just turned 90. That's impressive. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Work, bitch. She was in Desperate Housewives. I gagged. But, yeah, it's... No, I totally hear you with that. And that I kind of felt that way about Toby's monologue in Act 2. And I have... A lot to say about that in general, but again, I want to wait for that. But um, let's dive into all of it. Well, no, because I feel like there was something else that I wanted to say oh. about like. But like, also, I'm coming at it from a white Jewish woman's perspective, a straight Jewish woman's perspective. Like, I'm not coming at it from oh, sure a gay male who the show is targeted for. Right, and, like, I obviously feel a specific type of way and, like, can relate to different things in it. It was so funny, though. Like, the the scene at the in part one that where Adam is talking about, like, the bathhouses and stuff. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And he, like, has, like, the blood and stuff. It, I was, like, disturbed... And also entirely turned on. <laughs> Me and Amanda both were like... Wait, explain the scene and then, like, explain. Oh, okay, so he is talking about how he got... Um, it's this character that is, like, a very rich Young. Manhattan kid. He's, like, 19. And he lives in, like, a penthouse. And he's basically this other gay man that's a, a bit older than him. Probably, like, six to eight years older than him. I don't know, because I felt like his character was, like, the young character was, like, 19. I felt like the older one was, like, in his, like, early 30s. Yeah, probably. So, 11, 11 to 12 years. Yeah. But still not, like, it's it wasn't, like, 19 Predatory, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's, like, you haven't had to go through anything, like, blah, blah, blah. And this guy is, like giving in like excruciating details about how he essentially slept with 14 different men in a European bathhouse and was like enjoying every second of it and then afterwards when he felt like disgusting um he realized that he was bleeding and he was like oh fuck that's not good and so he got tested and basically so like when you get tested for hiv you can get a positive and that doesn't necessarily mean that it's actually positive um until they test it again and then that that's like when it's like positive or negative so he got a, a positive and then it was actually negative so he didn't have it but when he found out that it was positive the first time he was like scared to death and so it was this whole monologue that was like you didn't know what he was going to say until the very end. It's like we, what you were talking about. Like, you didn't know what was happening until it happened. And that was in the first part. Yeah, exactly. No, I know. But what I'm saying is that, like, it was so, like, hot. <laughs> and then suddenly he just drops this fucking bomb on you and you're like, oh, oh my God. And me and Amanda were like, is anybody else in this theater so, like, turned on right now? What? <laughs> 
Because when I saw him, you were like, oh, like, we were like. He was hot, though. That's why. He's like a very, like, good looking man, but like. From the way he was talking, you knew that it wasn't going to end well because he was trying to tell about the hardships of his life. So the entire time, the people who I was with who were like, uh, what's going to happen? What's I happening? mean, I know, but still. And I then was... when he talked about like the blood and stuff, that was not sexy. Well, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That was the bomb that dropped. I obviously wasn't like, oh, yeah, talk about that blood. <laughs> like, what? I don't know. It's kind of what you were... No, everybody that I've talked to was like, yeah, I was like disturbingly turned on during that whole monologue. But I think that's the that's point. the point. It is the point. I think that's the point. It's also, I told, I said this afterwards, I was like, here's my review on The Inheritance (laughs) while walking out of the theater to a bar to drink more. I said, I have never felt more disturbed, educated, and turned on in my entire life. (laughs) And I did, because like the whole time I would be like, ooh, yeah, gay stuff, that's hot. And then I'd be like, oh my god, like that's so disturbing. And then it'd be like, oh, valid point like but they're all connected because what i'll say about and this is like this isn't graphic but it's just like it is what it is sex as a gay man is like it starts as like being a little bit disturbing and i feel like that's like people's like thing and then once it's done it's almost like shameful and that kind of like doesn't go away depending on like who you're with and, like, what. You know what I mean? Like, it's always, like, a little bit, like... I don't know if that's, like, society telling us that it's, like, shameful and, like, part of us always, like, kind of believes it. But, like, as a 25-year-old man as of tomorrow, like, I still... There are times where, like, you're done and you feel, like, a little guilty for, like, whatever you just did. And I think that a lot of what that monologue was that that character did was kind of inhabiting that whole thing like gay men going to like circuit parties and like all this stuff and having that guy had sex with what what he said like 14 different people or something like that in one night it's like for him and that character and a lot of gay men in the moment it's like oh my god this is the hottest thing on this planet and then 30 minutes later whatever it's done and you're like what the fuck did i just do like that it's like this whole like messed up thing and I think that that monologue was brilliant in that way because it kind of, like, screened that. And I think uh, that's why it was so, like, shocking. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that, like, it's, it's, I know that that's, like, a weird way to put it because, I don't know. It's just, like, it's, it's weird. But it's a very, it's, it, that's a real thing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a gay man. So no, I, I don't think I can, I can speak to that. But I do understand where you're coming from. And... I 100%. But I think that's why that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why, like, the show is so, I think, eye opening to a lot of that. And that's why, even, like, in part two, like, when they're, like, on Fire Island and it's, like, that giant, like, party and, like, they're just, like, doing drugs and, you know, whatever happens, happens. But that guy is just being, like, used. And this, and his boyfriend. So one of the characters is a prostitute and his boyfriend meets him by hiring him and he sees this other man that he's in love with in this guy. Like, they resemble each other. They're played by the same character, which is brilliant. And he basically, they're partying on Fire Island in the second part of the show and he just kind of, like, lends his boyfriend out 
to like have sex with these other men and he's like obsessed with it like he's in love with it and this the guy that's the prostitute is like hurt then like that's his life and he just feels like disgusting the whole time and it's like oh my god it's so eye-opening it's insane it's insane what did you think about all like that stuff in act two or in part two um i, I don't know like i i think it's like a real i thought it was like a good show and a, with a good story and like that writing was good and i really like felt for the characters and i think everyone like did like a good job but like again like I personally had no emotional connection to it because again it's not my story but I can sit there and like appreciate it and have empathy and like feel for it and think that it's like a really good piece of art right but like I know I've said this a thousand times but like I like I personally have no like well I think it's also different for you because you don't really know a lot of gay men that are in that culture yeah and i really don't either but it's yeah like I, or maybe I, mean, I do and they keep it a secret right seriously well that's happened to us in the past so, <laughs> <laughs> and i think that it's crazy to think that a lot of that still exists when you think that that's like something that was in like the 70s and 80s and it's done now i know because you see you're like that's like oh my gosh yeah the AIDS but... crisis that's done no it's not no and it's I mean, it is because HIV doesn't turn to AIDS very often anymore. But like, all the drugs and like partying and stuff like that—it's like, still that's real. All still very prominent. My therapist the other day was like, "Now you know that like meth has become like a big social drug in the gay community." And I was like, "Fucking what?" <laughs> I'm like, "Since who who does meth socially? <laughs> no one's like, oh, I'd love to try meth." <laughs> insane like you try meth when every other drug is absolutely not getting you high anymore and you want to go to prison (laughs) you're dying to go to prison and you're dying for your teeth to fall out that's like a last resort on the road to addiction yeah you can't take meth you're a dentist's son (laughs) no i can't bert i'm never gonna do meth so okay (laughs) we talked about this briefly i really want to dive into this discussion though oh okay so, the, you don't even know what I'm about to bring up. Okay. <laughs> what you're about to say. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Can you please drink more of your wine? I'm just talking so much. I I'm know. so invested in this conversation. But earlier I asked you if you wanted one or two bottles and you said, I'm down to clown. <laughs> and so, But then you said, what does that mean? You don't even know what that means. You need to clown. What? I did not say that. Oh. <laughs> what are you making up? You were like, so should I get one or two? Drink that wine. Drink it. Oh my god, you're gonna be fine. Okay, so don't look at me. Do I have to finish this before we can go on? Yeah. Oh, so the three main men. I knew that's what you were gonna say, and you acted like I didn't know that you were gonna say that. But I need to say it. Okay. Sometimes it's just me saying things, and then you answering. Also, it's don't always assume. Which one? Wait, say what you're gonna say. Yeah, like, <laughs> we know what we're talking about, but no one else. Is. We should just start the entire discussion, but like not like change the word. <laughs> like the four main characters are gluten free, <laughs> <laughs> and I, as someone who eats gluten, <laughs> continue. No. Just go. The four main characters in the show are straight, and they play gay men. Yes. So. Toby, the actors that played Toby, Adam slash Leo. Um, Eric. Eric. Not the one that I saw. Actually, the one that I saw, too. Um, and um, 
uh, Walter. He's the straight? old man. Yeah. I love him. They're brilliant. Every I need okay. to preface whatever I'm going to say with that. Every one of these men are incredibly brilliant, brilliant, brilliant actors, and they each deserve like all the awards. They're so, 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 so talented and very believable. I was entirely invested in each one of their performances. That being said, let's chat. <laughs> um, what were you gonna say? I'm, was there something you I literally say? just asked oh, you, you just what you Oh, okay. Okay, so, uh, like I said, I was very captivated by every single one of them. It's just that, and it didn't really hit me until that monologue that we were talking about that's a little self-indulgent, which it's not his fault. He was great. Um, Toby's monologue in the second part, basically, he's talking about how, like, he's, like, a, a fuck-up, and, like, his family set him up for that and all that stuff, and, like, when he was younger, like, he was broke, and, like... He would go to school without, like, showering and stuff because he couldn't. And all of that was so, so brilliant and heartbreaking. He started talking about how, like, when he was in middle school, like, the height of the monologue is when he was in, like, elementary school, middle school, is that he would get called fag. And the actor slash character, whatever, was really broken up by that. And, like, that was probably, like, the most vulnerable he was in that whole monologue. And I was just completely taken out of the scenario and I don't think it was him that took me out of it but something regardless took me out of it and my mind was just like oh god you poor white straight boy like what is it like to be called a fag do you do you know like and and that was the part that was like hard for me that I kept thinking about after I saw the show and like throughout the rest of the second half honestly I was just kind of like you know what like you don't know what it's like to be like taunted and like ridiculed when you were a kid because you were different than all the other boys and like these heterosexual men are playing these characters that they have no clue how to feel for and i say that with a grain of salt because obviously they they made me believe that they were and i wasn't like i was still invested in what they were saying Mm -hmm. and i was honestly shocked about the adam leo guy also he's 23 he's 24 whatever he's young he's my age that's insane and I was, I know, I was really shocked that he was, I mean, that monologue about the bathhouses, I was like, boy, there's no way you're straight. Do I have red wine mouth? No, do I? Yeah, and it's just making this conversation the best ever. well, it's pretty classic. And I love drunkenly talking about deep and meaningful things. No, it's really important, and I And I think these conversations are important, and which I think is a big lesson in the show Inheritance. Like, these conversations that are hard are important. Right. Which is why I want to ask you, and I'll say my preference later, but just to play devil's advocate here, I want to ask you if the... I think I know what you're going to ask, but you can ask it. Sure. And I want to phrase it differently, because I would phrase it differently from, like, a woman's perspective, and now I'm trying to, like, phrase it for this, because the way I phrase things for myself for so long is different how I would, like, phrase it. No, for sure. I need to, like, figure it out. But... So, so as a woman, um, I, a lot of the things that I say and I fight for are equality. Yeah. Which I feel like is a big part of the gay community as well. Like, equal rights. For sure. Marriage, all of that stuff. So, if the goal is equality, then why can't a straight man play a gay man? I don't and think... vice versa. That's exact. So that's what I was gonna say, and I I did think that was your question. I absolutely think that straight. You know me so well. I know I'm a genius. I I absolutely think that 
any like straight men should be able to play gay men. The problem is that gay men are not the straight men are glorified for playing gay men. They're heroes and they're brave. St- gay men are never masculine enough to play straight men. No matter what, they are always too flamboyant. And that's what we are constantly told as gay men getting degrees in musical theater and acting and just like that, that we are never straight enough and we're never masculine enough and it's never believable enough. And we have to work out harder and we have to speak in a lower tone and we have to walk differently and we have to wear certain clothes. We can't be too tight, but it also has to be tight enough that your muscles look good because we have to look good for the haha gay men that are casting us to play straight men. <clears throat> and it's just like a little bit of a, a double standard that I'm expected to be so masculine and believable to play a straight man. A straight man, it'll never be enough, but a straight man walks on stage and makes out with a guy and everyone's like, oh my God, please give him an Olivier. It's like, it, it's just not fair. Like I, in my, I should be like gay men should be able to play straight men and it should be the exact same thing as a straight man playing a gay man, but it just isn't. And it's not going to be because when you think about the, gay actors that are playing straight and it's all acting so like that is you know what i mean like obviously but it's just always talked about how you know like oh but they were just too gay you know what i'm saying like any if i had a nickel for every time i've heard somebody say that when they went to see wicked the fiero was too gay i'm like well why okay then change your definition of masculinity exactly I am with you 100%. I am with that train of thought. I think that straight men who play gay men are definitely glorified, blah, blah, blah. I just think that somebody should be asking the hard questions. Exactly. Just so we can get that no, answer. And, and that's what that's my point of it, is that it's like it's hard for me because, <clears throat> like I said, I was captivated, and I thought that they were brilliant. And I'm not mad that it's straight men playing gay men. I'm mad that the same is not respected for gay men playing straight men. Straight men. That I have to like work my ass off to be taken seriously as a straight man, and people literally say like, like, oh, you you don't sound like you're straight though, and I'm like, well, that's fucked because like that's I, what do you mean? Like, what does a straight man sound like? Uh, well, what does a gay man sound like? Because these people, and also like, and I'm gonna be just like really blunt. Straight men have had to go through probably very little hardships in the history of the world and gay men have and so it's it's like it's hard for me to justify like a straight man understanding how what a gay man's gone through and not a gay man understanding what a straight man has gone through because they haven't gone through things it's like me being like well i understand what people of color have gone through well i don't and i can't portray them because a i'm not them and b i don't get what they've gone through i can't speak to it because i'm not i did not go through it historically yeah i like again maybe this is like wrong and i'm speaking like out of turn no but like Like, as like a jewish woman like anti-semitism is still relevant mm -hmm. in today's society especially it sparked i don't want to like bring up the 20 16 election yeah. and like that's yeah, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. whole conversation for another day but, like, but it has like it has like sparked a like a new form of um like attacks on judaism and like yeah. the shootings that have been happening a couple were in synagogues you know blah, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. so and i personally haven't had to deal with like any anti-semitic things i, I guess i have like i guess like people like bring it up all the time and when I was younger I didn't like get it and like I guess I was like like 
singled out, like, in school, like, mm-hmm. as being, like, one of two Jewish girls, like, going to my school. But, like, I haven't had to deal with, like, any, like, hardship. I was never, like, thrown into, it like, a specific class. And, like, right. my rights were never diminished because of anything like that. But I, like, it's, like, so many non-Jewish people play Jewish people. Yeah. And no one actually, like, even though I haven't had to deal with, like, as hard as hard of things as, like, you know, my grandparents or, like, my ancestors sure. have, like, there's still been things where I'm like, oh, I know I'm in the minority right blood. now. Like, yeah. I, I feel very different from the people I'm around. Like, I grew up in Arizona. Like, <clears throat> there's no Jews within a 50-mile radius, right. you know? So, it's... You know, it's like it's still weird and stuff like that. So, like people who are white portraying Jewish people bother me a little it's bit. Offensive, yeah. Because I'm like, you actually have no idea what it means to be Jewish and what it means to be like in that specific culture, or what right. it means to be like, oh, you're Jewish. Like, why isn't your nose like this? Or you, like, right. people come up to me all the time saying you're Jewish, but you don't have curly hair. Oh, Not what. What? My mom is one hundred and five hundred percent Jewish. That bitch has straight hair and a perfect nose. Yeah. What the it hell are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. Like, but that's so, what I'm but saying. Like, that like, kind of stuff. How does this, what, what does a straight person sound like? What does a gay person sound and like? And that's, that's what I'm saying. That's fucked. Which it happens all the time where non-Jewish people play, are like doing all this stuff. But it's right. like, what do you actually know about it? Because people still say things to me like that all the time. Or it's like when people are like, you're a very white black girl or something. And it's like, what? Our guest, what does that mean? Our guest, we had um, Retta on the episode oh, where yeah. we talked about um, side, side jobs. jobs. And Retta gets told that all the time. Retta is... She's mixed, right? She is mixed. Um, she is black. And she's Jewish, so she has she's the best of both worlds. A eh? yeah, um, very near and dear to my heart. And she gets told all the time You're not that she's enough. not black enough, or that she's too ethnic to play a certain role. And she's like, "Well, I don't fit in anywhere, so yeah. where do I belong?" And, and it's, it's like, like, "What? Why do you need to belong anywhere? Mean? You should just yeah. be a person getting these roles." Right. I think, and that's like to to sum up with like that. It's. It's not that I think, like I said, it's not that I think that straight men are incapable of playing gay men because obviously these men did it and they were brilliant. But I want the same respect when I'm auditioning to play a straight man because guess what? I've actually done it quite a bit and I'm good at it. So it's, it's, and a lot of people do. Neil Patrick Harris does it. Matt Bomer does it. Cheyenne Jackson does it. And Oh, the guy from, um, is it white color, blue color? Um, isn't that Matt Bomer? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cut that off. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, and, and in the same vein, like Darren Chris is a very believable gay man. Like it's, and they're all really wonderful. But it's, no one's saying like, oh, you're such a straight gay man. I don't know. I just, I'm just done with that. And that is people what say we, that all the time though. People I'm say saying like, they shouldn't. I'm saying they shouldn't. Oh, okay, because, sorry, I didn't say that correctly. But I just think that that's the bullshit part, and that's what like took me out of it. Because if that wasn't a thing, then I wouldn't be sitting there thinking. And also, in the same vein, like I do think, like you don't know what it's like to be called a fag. Like you don't. You've never been. I mean, maybe you have, but guess what? You're straight, so it doesn't. It shouldn't affect you. Yeah. And it's like, it's just hard. It it kind of like, it's kind of like asking. 
somebody to portray like a trans person because you've never gone through it you don't know what it's like to like you know and that is a little bit different and honestly people probably would do that in this day and age still they would probably cast somebody to play a trans woman or man that shouldn't but that's it's kind of the same thing or like you would never i don't know my parents are obsessed with pose right now billy porter's new show i haven't watched watched personally first season but they love it because all the people who are trans in it are actually trans and they say that when they watch it it's so moving because you can tell that they've been through it and that they're like speaking from the heart like my my parents love it and my parents are so woke i I got offered a trans role in a reading and they called me and i did not read for this role i read for like three other roles in it and they asked me to do something sassy in my thing and i was like okay (laughs) like what can i possibly pick out of my gay pocket (laughs) and so i did um something from book of mormon i think and i just made it gayer and then they offered me this trans role um like over the phone and i immediately i knew what role they were talking about and i said thank you so much for the offer i don't think that that's an appropriate role for me and i've actually found a different opportunity which was a lie i didn't have something else but i have no clue what it's like to be a trans person and i have friends that do and are very 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 brave but i know that i can't relate so why would i pretend like i can and also that's offensive because there's probably a trans person out there that could easily do it so that's my opinion on it yeah that's good i'm glad and i still want to say no for sure and i still want to say that again like the millionth time like i thought they were brilliant and they really were wonderful it's not their fault it's society and casting's fault for making it okay and honestly but the they're the who transferred from london they are they yeah. are but it's i mean it's not an american thing it's an everywhere thing i think that gay men are expected to be more heterosexual or very flamboyant there's never like an in-between there's no fluidity and if there it there's always like labels on it and i think it's casting's fault I, and it's gay men that are pro- primarily doing the casting. So it's like, get over yourselves. Well, it's the older generation yes. gay men who think the same way as older generation straight men. They're just gay. Exactly. Like, that's, like, ultimately the problem as well. I, and it's also, okay, I've been listening to this new podcast. It's called Audrey Helps Actors. It's a, it's actually a brilliant podcast if you are an actor out there i strongly recommend that you give this a listen it's there's no sugarcoating it's just a very visceral conversation about your life that's your new favorite word what visceral i've used it twice no in life i think it's your new favorite word i've always said that interesting you just don't listen to me it's a very real conversation about like your life as an actor like getting into it like you think your life will be easier but actually no matter how successful you are there will always be that anxiety that stress it's really really good and she talks to so many different people she talks to in this last episode i listened to she talked to somebody who was on the fence about quitting acting he's 42 she interviewed somebody who quit acting and is doing something else and she's so happy she talked about somebody else who's teaching now but also auditions like and then um in this episode i listened to she um was talking to 
this young actor who went to AMDA in LA and like they were talking about you know his life all this stuff and she has she categorizes your like your life in phases so she's like you're in phase one in your acting and you're trying to get into a phase two or phase three um and she's LA based so a lot of his a lot of it is like sag and mm-hmm. tv and film but she was like tell everyone like how tall you are and he was like i'm six five and she was like say your sexual preference and he was like i prefer men and she was like went into how he's not a very flamboyant gay and how like that will affect his casting because a lot of men his age are like if they're gay like that's their thing and that's not his thing. So he has to work harder to be something else. And it's interesting that that whole thing is like, you're not flamboyant, so you have to be like, charactery, best friend, hillbilly, you're 6'5". Like, or he can be a flamboyant gay. And like, that's the thing. Like, if you're going to play a gay character, it's going to be flamboyant. No matter what. Yeah. And that's why I kind of felt, at times, just like a little bit like, not insulted because again i wasn't it's but it's like you're just watching what you see like you're you're playing a stereotype which for some of them it worked really well because it was very accurate but it just bothered me that three of the gay men in real life were very small roles in the show i think is that i think that that's like probably the bigger thing that bothered me that i was like in a world on broadway like there were or fine the west end whatever like there are no gay actors that you thought were good enough to portray the aids crisis well kyle harris who is again from my school he's the one in the second part who had the argument he was the democrat and henry was the republican He's straight as well. He's he has a wife. He, he's seemingly straight too. Like, yeah, he and was that like, was the thing. A lot of people were like, "He's he didn't even just appear straight. to be gay." Yeah, he was more like. But there are men like that, so it's. I mean, like that, like you know, for his role. But it it's not just the leads who are straight as well. It's people no, in yeah, exactly. as well. And I'm like, there, and there are like roles in there where I was like. I could do that, or I have friends that could do that. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't audition. Half my friends probably didn't. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there are gay men out there that I know are more than capable of playing those roles and giving beautiful, authentic performances. If you had the choice to cast a gay man over a straight man, and the straight man was just a little bit better of an actor, cast the gay man. Because guess what? They understand it. In a production like... The Music Man... Guess what? Harold Hill's allowed to be gay. Like, it just doesn't... It doesn't make a difference because the show is not about being heterosexual. Yeah. It's implied. This show is about being gay and what gay men go through. And the fact that the almost the entire cast is married or has a girlfriend, I'm like, okay, come on. One of them? <laughs> just, just one. So... Yeah, I hear you. Also, watching Tony Goldwyn make out with a boy that looked like he was my age was so uncomfortable. <laughs> but a little hot. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that's the moral and of again, the show. Is. I was educated, disturbed, and very turned on. <laughs> and a little drunk. <laughs> so, that's what I have to say about it. Yeah. Also, we talked to a guy that was in the show afterwards because our friend Priscilla is working on the costumes on the show, so we got drinks with her. 
And he came up and he was like talking to us and he was like, what are your names? And I was like, CJ. And he was like, oh, what does that stand for? And I said, Clayton James. He went, oh, what's your last name? I said, Bathiani. And he was like, oh, he sounds royal. And I was like, huh, that's funny. Amanda fucking Rayburg goes, he has a castle in Hungary. (laughs) I said, Oh my god. He said he's downplaying it, but he owns a castle. She's our mom. I said She's so I literally went my face they were like cackling at me, like trying so hard, but I my face was so red. I went, I do not have castle in Hungary. And he was like, Do you have one, Amanda? It was like, Yes, Clayton, you do. Anyway, point is is that Speaking of the Honestly, one of the only gay men in the show that I could have thinks communicated with. CJ owns a castle. I, probably is like, okay, like, you crazy, what, 16-year-old? He probably thinks I'm like a child. You are. And I was like, Ugh. I'm turning 25 tomorrow. I know. What did you get me? It's not even My close. fucking presents. That's what you get. She got me an Oreo whoopie pie. Actually, I did. Thank That's you. your birthday present. All right. Honestly... Really great discussion. I love being I'm gay. glad. Yeah, I'm glad we can talk about this. Like, I love talking about like hard things and it's like some real shit. Talking through it and and it was I really but okay so but like did you enjoy the show? Be honest. Overall, yeah, I enjoyed the show. Did you think that part one could stand alone? Yes, did you I think, think that. It would spark a lot of questions, but I think it would be one of those up for your own interpretation kind of things. Yeah. Um, I think part two is necessary. I just, yeah, I don't know. I liked it. Which man did you think was the hottest? Toby. Oh, yeah. He's so hot. So attractive. Yeah. Toby is hands down yeah. absolutely gorgeous yeah he could but probably. like the guy we saw is eric he's so cute too so honestly i don't know yeah kyle harris also very dreamy oh yeah he was really hot i just knew from the minute he walked on stage i said that boy is not gay but damn his arms whoo yeah it was just like funny because that scene where he's like in this speedo i'm like you are the broiest <laughs> human being i've ever seen in my life like this is it's not it. His wife would be very happy to hear that. Yeah. I know. I want to know what all these girlfriends and wives are thinking when they're watching this. They're like, wow. Yeah, are... because you bit your butthole after the show. We all sat down and we're like, all right. And we Instagram stalked all these people. My friend Retta is the one who found them all. And she was like, all right. These are their girlfriends. What yeah. do we think? Priscilla and I was, was like, like there they are. Priscilla went, girlfriend, wife, girlfriend. He's actually gay. Has a boyfriend. Gay. <laughs> girlfriend wife and i was like okay priscilla the real question is which one am i getting set up with how many gay men are there which one am i getting set up with there was one and he is my age and i said okay which one is the one who did the fuetes yeah (laughs) also he's 23 i'm just gonna go yeah Yeah, so while that was a beautiful show we are actually this is our last episode because we're gonna die (laughs) um yeah all right i think that's all i have to say that's all I have to say. Cheers. Cheers, you bitch. Yeah, bitch. And also, never do math. <laughs> That's it. <laughs>